looking at uh, a couple of the paradoxes. There's a paradox too, uh, really, that we have there sections uh, that are paradoxes. A paradox is something that uh, is, uh, seems absurd uh, or um, self-contradictory uh, statements in the Bible. Uh, let me say this, there are no contradictions in the Bible. All right? uh, people who say that there are contradictions in the Bible are wrong. Uh, and when you ask them to show you where the contradictions are, they never can. What they show you are paradoxes uh, in the Bible, uh, but uh, God uh, usually clarifies what those are. And paradoxes can be everything like the way up is down. You know, you, you know um, we see uh, the way you know, to get, um, you have to give. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Those are paradoxes in the Bible, and they make sense. Sometimes God runs them up. You know, answer a fool according to his folly. Answer not a fool according to his folly. You say, well, those are contradictory statements. No, there's times where you do uh, both, uh, one or the other, uh, and uh, there's a, a time for all of those things. So there are two paradoxes that are in here, and I want to focus on it tonight uh, because we, uh, we talk, we have over Thanksgiving, uh, I've preached about being thankful in all things. Uh, point out that all is all, so we're to be thankful for the good things in our life, we're to be thankful for the bad things in our life, uh, and we struggle with that concept. We know that that's how we're supposed to be, uh, and we strive for it, we should as Christians, to be thankful and to see God uh, in uh, the, the good things and the bad things in our life. God's doing them uh, for us, not to us. Uh, it's a matter of perspective, and that perspective comes from Scripture. Uh, and we know that um, the Bible says that um, we're, when we're weak, um, He is strong. Uh, we are strengthened in weakness. We talk about mountaintop experiences, uh, and, uh, but then the valley experiences in life. If you go up on a mountaintop, if you go up to Summit Mount Rainier, there's nothing up there but snow and ice, sterile. Uh, there's nothing growing up there, uh, but down in the valley is where all the vegetation is. And so we'll make analogy to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, down in the valley is the sweet stuff, and that's where God grows us. We love the mountaintop experiences, uh, but we push against pain and discomfort. And Paul is the champion uh, of teaching us, of course, under inspiration of God, and how to deal with and how to look at and have this perspective. As we began this morning looking at this ministry that we have in Christ, uh, he says, Therefore, see in verse number one, we have this ministry as we have received mercy. Uh, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things, dishonesty, and walking in craftiness, or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, uh, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he's telling them, uh, and kind of quick repeat, um, I don't, you know, resort to, uh, to tricks and craftiness and uh, in handling the Bible uh, deceitfully, uh, and that happens a lot. Uh, there, there are stadiums um, that were filled with people today uh, worshiping God um, with women pastors um, who I just don't even know how uh, you can sit in a room uh, knowing full well uh, what the Word of God says about that. Um, but they'll do what they do and say what they say, and people just kind of go with it, uh, but they've got to twist the Scripture uh, in order for that, and they'll point to things in the Bible that, uh, to support uh, their positions that, uh, that aren't right. And, uh, and uh, Paul's saying, I don't do any of that. Uh, and I preach the Word of God, 
He says, but if our gospel be hid, it's hidden in the lost. So we looked at the fact uh, that there are people who have this veil uh, that is there that they can't see when they're lost, when they're perishing. The foolishness of preaching uh, is, uh, is something that they're not interested in. Church is a concept. Uh, they're natural. They don't desire the things of God. Uh, in fact, the Bible says they're not subject to the law of God. Neither can be. They're under condemnation. Um, someone asked me, do you think it's, uh, if you say, Pastor, is it a sin um, to smoke? I'll say, you know, not for a lost person. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, you know, uh, they're, they're under condemnation. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a bad habit. Uh, and, uh, but for somebody who's saved and, uh, and has a, their the body's a temple, the Spirit of God, etc., yeah, then it would be a sin, you know, sin for them. Uh, but we, we, we don't hold people to the, the law of God. They're not subject to the law of God when they're lost. They're already on their way to hell. Uh, and, uh, and so the natural man knoweth not the things of God, they're spiritually discerned. So we could have left this morning thinking, praise the Lord, uh, that uh, the gospel light shined, verse number four, uh, the, they're blinded, those, it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Uh, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake, and uh, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And uh, so if you're saved today, uh, God, uh, let the glorious light of the gospel shine uh, in that veil was pulled back. Uh, you uh, were under conviction of the Holy Spirit as He draw you. You became born again when you had repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift of God because without the hand of God in the whole process, uh, you would have just been stumbling through life uh, in, under condemnation with that veil uh, and being blinded by the God of this world. So if you're saved tonight, say amen. Uh, and, uh, and it's a blessing. It's why we should be very grateful uh, for God saving us uh, because uh, it is the, the, the best gift He could ever give us. Then Paul reminds them and us that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I preached not too long ago on that very verse, uh, that it's the plainness, it's, it's so that God can get the glory. We can't, we can't take any of the glory, any of the good that we do. So we've been blessed with salvation, but we possess uh, that gift in earthen vessels. God knows our frailty. He knows uh, our frame. Uh, he's, you know, we're dust in, he's breathing us the breath of life. Um, God knows. We can't ever use that as an excuse to excuse away sin. Um, we can't go, God, you know me. Uh, God, you know I'm just weak. Uh, God, you made me this way. And I almost blame God for our, uh, our pitfalls and whatever, or our tendencies. Uh, we have a predisposition to whatever. Uh, again, nothing's uh, sin anymore. It's a disease, and, uh, and you're a victim, uh, and it's, it's nonstop accountability uh, in the world today. Uh, is uh, terrible. Uh, but um, we, if you're saved today, and we praise the Lord for that, uh, I'm blessed. I'm a joint heir, uh, the Bible says, with Christ. I have, I'm, uh, I have a heavenly Father, a home in heaven, uh, and, uh, and all that comes with the blessings of salvation, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm blessed, uh, I'm, I'm proud of it, not in a sinful way. Uh, I'm thankful, uh, and, uh, but I'm an ambassador of Christ. Uh, and I represent him. I'm a child of the king. And with that um, comes great privileges and power, according to the word of God, that we don't yield. I can go through the throne room of grace 
uh, and to be in the presence of my Heavenly Father. It's privilege. But all of that that I have uh, is, uh, is possessed in earthen vessel. Uh, ordinary, um, nothing special. Uh, and Paul's reminding the church at Corinth of that very thing. And then he gives us the first paradox, uh, which I want to, to teach on it tonight, uh, because even though we have the light of the gospel, even though uh, we have the Holy Spirit's indwelling, which helps us to understand the scriptures, um, we still go to the Bible all the time in struggle, uh, understanding a principle or a phrase. And here we have uh, the first paradox uh, that's stated, and then it's kind of amplified in the second one. Uh, but, um, you know, Paul's saying we're these things. He says we're, we're, we have this treasure in earth and vessels. Uh, but um, this goes with to help us to understand why we're supposed to be thankful in all things. Being thankful for, you know, I'm thankful for my grandkids and I'm thankful for the time that I got to spend with them and my, my children, uh, my mom. Uh, and, uh, uh, but but I'm, also, I'm also thankful uh, for the raging headache I have right now. Uh, you say, well, how can, how can that be? This will help us to understand that uh, here as we read it. He says this in verse number 8. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Uh, so uh, he um, gives these, he's trying to, to teach that, uh, that, God's power is magnified uh, through our human weakness, through the fact that we're earthen vessels. Uh, and uh, in, in verse 8 and 9, he gives us four illustrations of human weakness. Uh, he says, the first one, uh, that we are troubled on every side, but not distressed. They were, uh, to not get too far into it, we know those early churches uh, were, were tiny, uh, they were growing. Uh, they, the, they were outnumbered by the people around them. They were constantly being bombarded with, with persecution in a way and in a level that we, we can't even possibly understand uh, as a, you know, uh, an American uh, Christ, uh, Christian in this day and time. Uh, and, uh, but uh, this, this whole idea of being troubled on every side but not distressed uh, has this kind of... Uh, uh, connotation of being outmaneuvered or being flanked. Uh, we've got enemies on every, on every side outmaneuvering us, uh, but, but, we, but we are not, uh, we're not distressed about it. We're concerned, but not distressed. We are, we are fully aware uh, that there's trouble all around us, uh, yet, uh, yet the enemy cannot manage to deliver the final crushing blow uh, because, uh, because we are in Christ uh, and he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We're overcomers. We know that in our head uh, we can have victory. We live a victorious Christian life. We're supposed to live our life uh, and have an abundant life. Uh, but so many Christians just kind of uh, mope through life, dragging their uh, knuckles and, uh, and uh, sad and, and can't seem to smile uh, at all. Uh, and, uh, and so the song leader is trying to tell you, the preacher is trying to tell you, uh, you know, your Sunday school teacher, etc. So he, uh, he gives an illustration of being hard-pressed, if you will, uh, and, uh, but not crushed. It's the second one, he says that um, he's perplexed, but not in despair. He is we, he uses we, uh, saying us collectively. Um, these paradoxes were perplexed, but not in despair. So he, Paul often found himself... Um, Bewildered, he looked at 
Athens, for example, um, totally given over to idolatry, marveled at that. Unless uh, I don't get into it, uh, when I read this, um, and I look at the Apostle Paul, as I have many times, and I preached about it, and David, the examples we have in Scripture, um, I, I want to point out the, the fact uh, that we, he, they, us, all of us, have these feelings, these, these thoughts, uh, and uh, he, he, he tells us we're this, but we're not this. It's like he doesn't, he says we're not overwhelmed, we, we, not, we don't go to the extreme, but we have to remember we, are, we do get perplexed. Uh, and bewildered, uh, and uh, at, we're at a loss uh, from time to time in seeing a way forward uh, through difficult circumstances and, uh, and uh, every little thing. Uh, and we know, like, I'll just use a silly example because it's one that was recent, uh, but when I drove in a couple weeks ago, I, when I drove in, I immediately noticed that both of those trailers were gone. And, uh, and I was, I was per- perplexed. Uh, and, uh, and, and it, stressed, it stressed me out because it's like, I know there's a solution. Uh, we, I know we have insurance. Um, I, I know that we have a deductible, and I know what it is. I know when I see that they're gone, um, I, 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 I know that it's going to be okay. Uh, but you go through all of the emotions of it. You're disgusted. You feel like you're violated. You, you, get, you, know, you're, you feel like, you know, why can't people just leave stuff alone? You know, why can't we have nice things? You know, uh, all of the things that you think, but, we, but I know uh, that it's going to be okay, but I still got to get to that spot. I got to go from A to B, uh, and, uh, and there's uh, some time that happens. Sometimes we don't see a way forward, uh, even though we know God has got us through it each and every time, uh, but we never, we never get to the, to the point of blank despair because we know that God is in control. So he says we are, we are distressed, or excuse me, perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, uh, but not uh, forsaken. Uh, that word persecuted has the sense of like being hounded uh, and constantly uh, being uh, attacked, if you will. Uh, and, uh, and we could, you know, um, use all kinds of pictures of that, analogies. But um, as, a, as a Christian, the Lord in the Word of God told us we're going to suffer persecution. Uh, we are, uh, people are going to mock us. People are going to hate us. Uh, and if you're in the world and the world loves you, really, to be honest, we're not doing it right. Um, uh, churches need to be salt and light. I think you need to reach into your community. You need to walk in wisdom towards them that are without, uh, that our speech to be always with grace and seasoned with salt, to be Christian, to, uh, to communicate the virtues that God, the love, joy, peace, the fruits of the Spirit, being kind and tenderhearted, not just to ourselves, but to other people. Love people. Uh, but when you stand for right and against sin, um, there's no way a lost world is going to be okay with that. And, and they may be kind and say, well, you do you, and we'll, just, we'll do us, um, but they've got nothing good to say uh, about those uh, Bible-toting, you know, uh, goody-two-shoes or whatever, holier, holy Joes, uh, whatever they want to call you, uh, and, uh, because they'll talk about They talk about you to their neighbors, and oh, there, there they go again. Uh, I remember uh, a police officer one time, uh, and uh, uh, they're always trying to get me. I was a chaplain at the time, and I walk into the you know report writing room. They, hey, chaplain, like, like did you, uh, what'd you do at your cult today? 
And uh, I'm like, I said, we offered, you know, a goat sacrifice for you, <laughs> you know, or what? Uh, I would just kind of roll with it. And they were constantly trying to me. I kind of felt like, um, you know, if they're picking on me, they like me, you know. Uh, and, uh, and so I kind of went with that. Uh, but, uh, but there was like, there's going to be, it's going to be like that in the world. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Um, we're, uh, we, we can feel like we're all alone, but we, we have the story of Elijah, uh, in the Bible, right? Uh, we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And he says, but we, uh, we have these circumstances in our life. Uh, and then he says, we're cast down, but not destroyed. Here it has the idea uh, of like a wounded um, soldier or somebody who has um, received a blow, been struck, uh, who ought to be finished off, yet somehow uh, he regains his feet, uh, faces the enemy again. Uh, we were cast down but not destroyed. We get up. Um, um, again, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Uh, we know the, like the worst thing and the best thing that can happen to us is to die and go to heaven. And so we're not to fear man. Uh, God says what we fear, we're supposed to fear him, uh, fear God. Uh, and, uh, and we shouldn't have um, perfect love cast out fear. Uh, and we have all the scriptures, but, we, but we're going to be cast down, but not destroyed. We'll be able to get back up. And, and so taken together, these four uh, images uh, tell us that <clears throat> Paul, uh, and uh, he, was a, he was a realist. Uh, he, didn't, he understood um, that, uh, that he was, um, well, he says he was the chiefest of sinners. Uh, he knew that without the grace of God that he would be a, he'd be a castaway. Forsaken. He he wanted his kinsfolk to be saved, and, and him not. If he could if he could do that, uh, he was he was always reminded. He had a thorn in the flesh that we preached about recently, uh, and that God said, "My grace uh, is sufficient for thee." Uh, so Paul had no kind of uh, romantic illusion as to what the service of God would look like. Um, you know, when when I was when I surrendered to preach. Not so much when I surrendered. I'd say later on when I got to Bible college. When I got to Bible college, preachers are like, you know, your, your generation of preaching is going to fall on deaf ears. Nobody's going to listen. The church is going to go apostate. He was like uh, painting all these grandiose, you know, uh, things about how terrible it was going to be, you know. Uh, and you're, oh, where are you going? Seattle, Tacoma. Oh, that's a graveyard for preachers. It's nothing but darkness and, you know, uh, and on and on and on. Um, I've, never, I've, I, I've never in my life have been, like, I always thought my pastor, like at the time, Pastor Scarberry, people loved him, and, and, uh, and there was a side to all that where I thought, you know, I'd like to be loved, uh, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a shepherd, and all the things that kind of came with that, uh, but I, I found out real, real fast uh, that um, it was, it was going to be rough, uh, and there were going to be hardships and difficulties. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, um, he, he had no illusions about the service of God. Uh, in fact, he, he knew because he had been killing them. And, uh, and now he's on the, on the receiving end uh, of that uh, animus. Uh, and, uh, and he, was, uh, he knew full well. Uh, but he also never depicted himself like some kind of superhero. Um, he, 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 was, he was always telling people what he'd gone through and, and how he struggled with it. Uh, and uh, so um, uh, Paul uh, is uh, trying to help us with this, and he's contrasting 
um, uh, these, these things in a paradoxical way. Uh, but, but what it does, it's, it shows us that Paul's human and helps us to understand that we're human, we can be human, and we can have these feelings, uh, and we can also know that it's going to be okay. Uh, but um, in, but it's, to me, it's Paul, Paul is refreshingly human in the Bible. Um, and I like that about him because I, I, need, I need to relate uh, to that because we, we often go through, uh, all of us, uh, the same types of things. And so uh, this paradox is then restated, but in a kind of a different way in the next verses. Let's read those. He says this, always, verse 10, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto, the de- unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now, how many of you would be honest and say, you know, you've read that in your Bible reading, studying 2 Corinthians, etc., and you're going through it and it's like, okay, you're thinking, how am I uh, always delivered unto death for Jesus? Um, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that because we don't, we don't live there. It's not like we're, our, we're in peril of being martyred uh, unless you go to a, a place, like I mentioned this morning, like the Maldives, our places in the Middle East. Uh, and, uh, um, but the Bible, Bible says we're going to be persecuted uh, and we're going we're gonna to have death, uh, delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And, uh, and, and it's hard for us to give an example of that happening in our life uh, because of the way that we read it and the way that we understand it. And so um, uh, this is where uh, these, these two points or whatever, um, two factors that he lists in chapter, or verse number 10 and 11, uh, are, uh, they're the key to helping us to understand um, what we're going through in life uh, uh, and how we're to be grateful for it, thankful for it. And so the first things, Paul um, uh, found himself living in a way uh, and teaches us. He says that we should um, um, know him. And uh, this one thing I do to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Um, we, uh, when you got saved, um, you, were, you were dead in trespasses and sins and you've been made alive in Christ. When you got baptized, I've been, you know, we've had several uh, re- recently that I've talked to you about or some that have gotten baptized. Uh, it is, it is, it's not washing you uh, from your sins. It's a, it's a public testimony of, of your faith and what you've done. But when you do that, you're saying, I'm going to walk in newness of life. You got saved. Now you live a crucified life, a cross-bearing life. You are living sacrifice. A lot of things take place when you, when you get born again uh, and then going forward <coughs> in life. And so Paul uh, is t- saying, in, again, in another way, how he uh, is identifying uh, himself uh, closely with the life of Christ and, uh, and how uh, he lived. Uh, and the, um, the negative experiences which came to Paul in his life um, ran parallel to the experiences that um, his master Christ had in his life. And, and so, so when bad things happened, um, he humanly uh, would say that this is how he felt, but then, but then he would be able to put that all in perspective because, because who is he? 
uh, in, in relation to Christ. And, uh, and if Christ has gone through something, why do we think that, uh, that, that we shouldn't go through it? And so he identifies himself. Christ had suffered uh, and he gave his life uh, for his people. Paul saw his own sufferings as somehow tied to uh, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we, it's a fellowship of suffering. Uh, it's, it's a death that we all, uh, we all partake of. Spiritually, we read the book of Ephesians and elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's, more, it's more involved. And by the way, um, a, a few verses earlier, we're looking at people who the veil is over them. And, uh, and we know, okay, praise the Lord, the veil's been lifted. But, but again, we struggle with these principles um, because we, we misread them or we don't read them in the context what Paul is saying or we project things or, we, or we've figured there's no way. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be thankful for uh, my cancer, uh, but uh, I, I'm really not sure how to do that and God's going to be okay with me not figuring that out. Uh, because he knows me and he loves me and he cares for me. And, uh, and, uh, and so it's almost like we have a give up attitude about living uh, a, a, a spiritual life in Christ to be like him. Uh, Christ likeness or let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We feel I'm in sinful flesh and there's no way and we can't. In our sinful flesh, we can't be like God till we see him as he is. We get a glorified body. I know all that. But he says, be holy for I'm holy. He hath made you as holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. So um, we need to be working at it. Uh, and we're going to go one step forward and two steps back. Uh, and uh, so uh, he uh, is, um, I mean, the Lord warned us all in John, a servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they're also going to persecute you. And Paul got that and he understood that. He was a persecutor. Now he's the persecuted. Uh, and uh, and he is he is. You know, telling the people at Corinth, us also uh, in 2022, um, it's, it's going to happen to you. Uh, and so be ready for it. And so, and Paul was also convinced, which um, I'm convinced because it's in the Bible, uh, but, but I'm not all the way convinced because I'm a human being. Are you with me? I know it's true, but here's, he teaches this. However unpleasant our suffering may be, um, it's spiritually productive. Try to write that down. No matter how difficult your suffering may be, you, whatever category you want to put it in, okay? Sometimes we think we're suffering. We're really not. But there are things that we go through in our life. Every ounce of suffering, God says he's working it towards a, uh, you know, a, a crown, and, and there's all kinds of scriptures that tie to that. But every Every minute, every second, every millisecond of your suffering, fill in the blank, is, is, can, be, can be, is spiritually productive. Um, and, uh, and Paul is teaching that uh, through these verses. So what's the secret? Um, what makes the difference? I mean, how do we, how do we get there? I mean, he's, he's saying these things, but, um, you know, how, how do we transform uh, our lives into an expression of, of this kind of, of cross-bearing, crucified, you know, dead-to-self Christianity because um, God says we're supposed to do it. And the secret to that is in verses 10 and 11. Uh, and um, in the first one, verse number, I kind of think of it this way, verse number 10 is a, uh, deals with our 
our inner attitude or our consent. All of us need to consent to the fact. Uh, our attitude and spirit should be consent to the fact uh, that um, um, we are going to bear in our body the, 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 the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to, we need to be okay with uh, the idea and consent to the fact that we are going to struggle and suffer uh, at the hands of people, uh, we are going to suffer, uh, you know, uh, persecution, political, social. Um, you're going to have um, family members forsake you. That's why he says we need to, you know, hate our father, brother, sister, brother. We need to love God. We need to prefer him over. We let the dead bury the dead. He gives us all kinds of parables in the Bible. He's supposed to be first place, gets the preeminence. Uh, but we have to consent to that. Now, he is Lord whether you believe him to be so or not. He is Lord of your life. Um, however, um, he doesn't make you um, love him, serve him, obey him. We have to consent to that. We have, we have to submit to um, the Holy Spirit's leading our life. We need to subject ourselves to, uh, to God and obey Him. Uh, and, uh, and obedience is key. We, we, you know, we, uh, modern Christianity really doesn't set a, a premium on that, uh, but it is important. Uh, but the first, it deals with the inner attitude or the consent uh, that we have to, to be Christ-like, to, to be involved in the fellowship of His suffering, um, making Christ the centerpiece, and to really uh, to, to, to live um, dead to self but alive to Christ. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, a life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, and um, and uh, he's, he says that the love of Christ constrains him, and it's not about him, it's about what we do for others. It's, it's Jesus, others, you. Uh, we're last on the totem pole. We, we have all, all of these types of sayings uh, that support that. But the second, in verse number 11, deals with the outward, uh, the outward activity uh, or the, um, the things that we're exposed to. Uh, in life, uh, where he says that uh, we're delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest uh, in our uh, mortal uh, flesh. And, um, and let me just say this for just a second. When we think of uh, suffering and the spiritual um, uh, productivity that that grows in our life, um, I wonder if we can still in our churches um, develop, grow, disciple Christians, followers of Christ to the same caliber of the men and women that we read about in the Bible uh, who, who, um, who put their own interests, their families, um, their concerns um, and put them in last place. They endured the inconveniences that we read about the Apostle Paul in suffering, in, in jail cells, um, you know, shipwrecks, uh, you know, people, dungeons, the stuff that we read about in the Bible so that the gospel can go forward. The modern-day Christian, we can't seem to inconvenience the modern-day Christian to pass out a gospel tract. Yet alone, uh, to live a life dead to self and, and, and be willing to go through anything in our vapored pilgrim life for the cause of Christ and for the gospel to go forward. 
Um, we, we, we need that kind of caliber of Christians, um, but um, I'm just being honest, um, it's, it's hard to motivate. Um, it's hard, hard to motivate myself uh, in, in, in this area, um, let alone to motivate uh, a body uh, of b- believers uh, in a church. And so it's an, the outward activity. And so each verse closes with the words, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. Uh, and, uh, and that uh, is, uh, uh, by the way, it's not talking about being the, that Christ is manifest in your immortal body. It's in your mortal flesh. The manifestation of Christ in to now, not you know, sunshine tomorrow, but in our but in our mortal flesh today. Um, it's not when waiting to get to heaven and getting crowns there. It's like the, the life of Christ is manifested in our mortal flesh. But how is that? You know, it's not it's not talking about you know letting people see Jesus in us. Uh, or letting our lights shine, uh, or being salt, and all those are things that we're supposed to do. But how is the life of Christ manifested uh, in my mortal flesh through uh, the dying and the death for Jesus' sake that we read about in verses number 10 uh, and 11? And uh, so <clears throat> the secret is, uh, Paul says it's the death of Jesus. It's the dying of Jesus. It's the cross of Jesus. The key to experiencing uh, the life of Jesus is the death of Jesus. That's the paradox. Uh, And uh, the key to discovering this hidden treasure that we have in earthen vessels, to have in our hearts and minds the proper perspective of who Christ is and who we are in Christ, that we can look uh, potentially death uh, in the eyes, where you think of, uh, these martyrs who's like, okay, denounce Christ um, or die. We're going to kill you, kill all your kids, drown you, pour oil on you, cut your heads off. Uh, and, uh, and people go, I'm not, I'm not going to deny Christ. And they died. Here's what, here's what most Christians today would do. They would say, well, God is gracious. And, uh, and I'm about to lie right now to these people because my lie was paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. And, uh, and so God's, not, God's already forgiven me for lying to this man and saying, no, I'm not a believer so that I can live. And uh, we, we abuse the grace of God. Uh, and, uh, and we, I, I, I saw, who was it? And again, I, I, the, the sovereignty of God, Christ and everything else, it was, it was Les Strobel or uh, I can't remember who it was, but here's, he said this the, uh, last week, and I still don't know how to wrap my mind around it. He said this, he said, six years ago, I committed a wicked sin that God forgot about 2,000 years ago on the cross. And, um, and here's this, this is the mindset of modern day Christianity. You can sin and do whatever you want. It's already under the blood and you don't have to. So it's like, <coughs> it's like, uh, you know, you kill somebody or you commit, you know, fornication or whatever, and somebody busts you or says it, and you say, what? No need to get mad at me. Jesus forgave me 2,000 years ago. Is the, is, the end, is the end result of that kind of theology. Jesus died for the sins of the world, um, but, the, but the sin that I commit two days from now is under the blood, and I'm forgiven. I'll never be held accountable to go to hell for that sin. 
Um, but that sin that I'm going to commit two days from now will, will affect my relationship with the Lord uh, and my ability to pray. There's consequences for that sin. Are you following me? Uh, God says that I need, to, I need to confess that sin. He's faithful and just. Forgive us my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Uh, it leavens. And so there's, there is a, um, a, move, a movement to that kind of mindset. And that's why they can just go, people, Christians that you know, they say they love Jesus and they live like the devil um, because they're like, he's already paid it. And so I don't need to worry about it. He loves me anyways. Uh, and it's a lie right straight from the pits of hell. And, uh, and you got to be very careful that you don't fall. I'll maybe preach on that uh, another, another time. Uh, and, uh, and so um, he, he says the key to discovering the glory of this, this treasure is living out the life of our Lord Jesus now. It's accepting the meaning, the, the, the understanding we're consenting to, uh, the fact that we uh, are going to suffer, we're consenting, uh, but then in a practical way, the result is um, that we're living out the death uh, in a certain way uh, of, D, of Jesus Christ. The cross, if I, let me just explain it this way. I'm not going to preach two messages uh, to reward you for your faithfulness and being here tonight. Uh, but um, we know that we're supposed to be dead to self and alive unto Christ <coughs> to be crucified. We're living sacrifices. And uh, so um, the cross, when we live that way, when we're dead to self, um, it puts to death ego. I've, I've touched on this recently about ego and it's tied to self-esteem and in uh, uh, a lot of stuff. And I think it was a little too much psychobabble. Uh, but we see this principle uh, here in Scripture. Uh, and uh, so that that factor in us, that ego that's in us, that old man that remains, that when we do good, we want, we want to blow our own trumpet, toot our own horn, we want the pats on the back. Uh, when, you know, um, when there's an opportunity to show off um, how good a Christian we are, uh, we'll do that. I've referenced, you know, uh, you know, you pay for somebody's, you buy, you know, uh, you, you buy the, the homeless guy, uh, uh, you know, uh, double cheeseburger, uh, and then you take a selfie with him in his cheeseburger, and you post it on your Instagram post uh, and uh, to, to let everybody know what a good person you are. Uh, and uh, that's ego-based. Uh, it's the faculty uh, within us uh, that... Uh, that um, um, sees ourselves as more educated, more skillful, uh, better than, uh, and um, in, um, you know, it's, we think too highly of ourselves. That's ego. Um, living a cross-bearing life, um, living a sacrificed life, uh, being yoked with Jesus uh, in the life which we live, um, it, it takes care of that. Uh, it... Um, um, the ego is the thing that in our life causes um, self-excuse and self-pity and self-indulgence, self-assertion. Um, it's ego. Um, and that is what the cross puts to death in the, in the sincerely saved, sacrificial, life-living Christian. Are you with me? That's, that's when you understand that. That's when, you, when somebody does you dirty where you pray for them. Because who, are, who am I? I'm dead. Dead men don't react to that. It puts ego away. 
Uh, it says it says that if you love if you love God, um, then uh, nothing will offend you. Um, it's that's we think how's that doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make sense if you're not if you're not verse ten and eleven. Uh, if you are not uh, living for uh, the Lord, so the one of the secrets of experiencing. What Paul is trying to explain here, uh, the life of Jesus, uh, is to, um, to welcome the cross and gladly consent to having self in our ego crucified uh, with Jesus, put to death, allowed no expression, uh, allowed no place of self-indulgence in life. And again, I'm not saying you can't enjoy, uh, uh, you know, food and, you know, your things and whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, when, when the thing gets scratched, like all of us, if you get a new thing, you don't want to scratch it, right? New car, new car smell, whatever. And, uh, and so, um, like when I go in, like I bring my motorcycle in, in the shop, they always scratch it every single time. They have to come out with light. They take pictures. They come out with little flashlights and they look at all the paint. And I go, all right, take it back in there. They buff it all back out. I'm like, if I'm going to put a scratch in it, I'm going to put a scratch in it. And, uh, and we're just kind of like that. But, but it's, it is stuff. It's things. And uh, I remember my pastor said, if your car is too nice to pick up a bus kit in it, then it's too nice. If your suit is, is, too, is so expensive that you can't get a bus kid booger on it, <laughs> uh, he said, then your suit is too nice. We put too much of a premium on things uh, in, our, in our life. And so when we do that, uh, then uh, the life of Christ comes. So the second part of it, he says, for which we live, we're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8, 9, you don't have to turn there. It says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even our life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. It's just another way that he's expressing this kind of living. Uh, and so when the Bible says, that you, verse 11, for which we live, the first is the inner, verse number 10, that's our consent. The second part here is our outward. It's what we go through in life. It's why you get into trouble uh, with, with your family members, your coworkers, your boss, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's, why, it's why pressures come. It's why problems rise in your life. It's, it is why you never can get things worked out. Uh, finally, it seems to, uh, you know, one thing after another, uh, and uh, you've been, you were being delivered up to death in order that you might trust Christ uh, in your life. And so this, the, what's going on is that we, we suffer and we struggle, uh, and we are part of this suffering that he's mentioned here in verse number 11, that Christ is made manifest in our mortal flesh. If you, if you went through your Christian life with zero of the things that God ordains and allows in our life, you can't, you can't become Christ-like. You can't, you, can't be in on, you can't be in on the secret uh, that, he's, that he's saying uh, that we can have here uh, in these verses. Uh, and, uh, and, and I want it. But you can't, you can't have it unless you go... It's like you, you don't really... Uh, you can't appreciate... I said this not too long ago. You can't appreciate being well until you're sick. It's like when you go through the, the bad things, you see 
you see the good things. The key is, it's like when I'm sick, not necessarily like wishing I could be better. It's, it's, it's thanking God for being sick. Uh, and, and, and knowing that that's part of what Paul is saying here, that we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also uh, um, might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And then Paul closes, he says, so then death worketh in us. He says, death works in us, but life in you. Uh, and uh, so he's saying the blessing, the blessing goes to someone else as well as to you when this is carried out. So when we, when we handle persecutions and distresses and being perplexed and troubled, when we realize that, that uh, we're going to go through things in life and we, and we go through them in, the, in a biblical way, in a spirit-led way, um, people see that, they glorify God. Uh, and uh, so death works in us. We struggle. God promises that we're going to. Uh, never did he say that when you get saved, it's going to be rainbows and butterflies. He, he gives us the analogy. It's like you cross over. Victorious Christian life means, you know, giants in Gath and in Jericho. Uh, and and there's, there's battles. Because when you're lost, what the, what's the devil going to mess with you for? Um, you know, you're already under condemnation. Uh, it's when you, when you say yes to God uh, and you get born again, that's when, that's when the battle begins to fight. And in um, what Paul, through scriptures, is teaching us, he goes, that is both a sign of or evidence of, of uh, you being born again, uh, but it's what makes you like him. Um, it, is, it, is, it is suffering uh, like he suffered. So you say, Pastor, what you're saying, I should just be, I should wish for suffering? Maybe a little, uh, um, um, but, but can we at least get to the point where that when we do suffer, we have the right attitude and spirit about it, and that and that we like okay, um, you know, I know uh, that uh, that I'm going through this because God is molding and shaping me into the person that He wants me to be, and uh, and that somebody else uh, is blessed that there's death works in us but life in you. It's like what what we go through as a Christian. Uh, in our identity with Christ is what benefits those that we care for that want to be saved. So how we um, process death, loss, sickness, um, whatever it is, people who are lost with the veil over their eyes, um, they see that. And it might be one way that God uses to pull the veil back. Um, It could be, like I mentioned, Marty, uh, who saw me get saved. Um, Marty... um, used to feed me booze when I was a little kid. Uh, he would be my babysitter. And my babysitters were like guys that got out of prison, uh, you know, and uh, just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Marty would feed me and my cousins beer all the time. Uh, we, would, we, would, we would be uh, stealing the, the weed and everything else, all that kind of stuff. He, uh, <clears throat> he was a, a ruffian. Uh, and, uh, but when I got saved... In, in people, I, I, like, I'm supposed to be like, uh, like, this, like the spawn of Satan, I, I guess. I don't know. When people, when people saw, to this day, people can't believe that I'm a pastor and I live for the Lord. Because it's not, I'm, not, I'm not supposed, you're supposed to be a product of your environment. And my environment was Sturgis in a cesspool. And these, these people, it was just, it was crazy. But he saw... God changed me. And so he wanted to find out about that. 
That's what helped the veil come over his eyes, uh, come off of his eyes. That he was, he was, he he wanted to know what changed me, and I told him Jesus changed me. And on his deathbed, he got saved. And so I'm saying is that how we how we live our life, it's not just important to us and to, to the Lord in, in the ways that the Bible is very clear that it is, but other people are watching us. And um, they're watching you, whether you believe that to be the case or not. Uh, but then he, he, he continues with that thought uh, about uh, uh, our affliction and things but being for a moment. And he kind of brings that back into perspective. He says, you're going to struggle, but that's all part of the process of making you like Christ. And if you, if you don't have suffering, you can't be like him. If you, can't have, you can't have patience without the trying of your faith. Uh, and, uh, and it's just a lots and lots of good stuff. And so hopefully today, as you like, well, it's like, you know, um, veil's not over my eyes. I'm saved. I'm born again. God peeled it back. And I trusted him as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm not, I'm not like those who are, uh, who are, who are lost uh, and uh, et cetera. Uh, I'm not blinded by the God of this world. I'm a child of the King. Praise the Lord. Um, but none of us have arrived. And, um, and, and when we dig into the scriptures, not just cursory reading or whatever, but when we pull the layers back to the stuff that Paul's saying, that we just kind of like, I love reading, you know, it's not like reading, you know, other portions in the Old Testament. When I get in the epistles, that's my favorite spot in all the Bible because it's so practical. But there's a lot of stuff you can peel back and it'll help you um, in ways that you can't uh, imagine. Uh, he said, uh, in 2 Corinthians, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. He says he much rather glory in his infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So when I say uh, you want me to, to pray for suffering and difficulties, all, all I'm saying is that when, when you're weak, um, there's strength in that, you know, through Christ. And you w- should much rather glory in your infirmities uh, than, than to glory in, in the blessings uh, because it's the infirmities and it's the suffering that make you more like him. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and that's what we should want in our life. And uh, so hopefully uh, what that does in a very practical way for you here tonight and for, uh, for those of you who may be watching online is that whenever you have a problem, you just like suck it up and you like just go through it. And it's like, it's awesome. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, it's, it's terrible, Pastor. You can't but Never mind. It's awesome. Uh, God is so good. Uh, and uh, he's so good to me. I'm thankful. Never mind. I'm thank- Whatever I was going to tell you a second ago, forget about it. I love it. I'm thankful for it. <laughs> and because uh, it's making me more like him. Uh, I know that's not how it's going to go. Uh, but, uh, but I can, a little wishful thinking uh, on that for me and for you. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads bowed and... Um, We'll have our invitation.